For the past 2,000 years, men have been setting up churches by their own will, departing from the Bible, and setting up idols in the churches for people to worship. And that what they've done is they have thought these idols help the people to have faith in God. They set up something that the people can see to increase their faith. When faith has to do with the Spirit of God and worshiping God in the Spirit and in truth. But these men, for decades, for generations, for centuries, since well, for 2,000 years since the departure of the crucifixion of Christ and the early church, men have been setting up idols in the churches. In this podcast, I'll share with you what these idols are that we see in the churches today. The Apostle Paul gathered the elders together at Ephesus to speak with them because he knew he was going to never see them again. He would never see the elders again at Ephesus. So Paul said to them, Take heed unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Paul knew this was going to happen. So as long as Paul was on the earth, he would fight them. But after his departing from the earth, after he was gone, he knew they were going to come in and set up perverse things in the churches. They were going to set up things to get followers to come to them. All these denominations that we see today, Catholic and Protestant, started at the point where Paul was taken off the earth. So this perverseness in the churches has been going on for 2,000 years. And idols have been set up in the churches. What is an idol? What's a religious idol? It's anything set up for people to participate in that is not written in the New Testament Bible. Some of the idols today in the church groups, let me go over some of those things with you. These things, each one of the things I'm going to tell you about now, they are not in the New Testament Bible. We are not instructed by God to do these things. These religious things that are not in the Bible were set up by other humans. Crossing yourselves. There's absolutely nothing in the Bible that tells you to cross yourself. 
I see football players who are going to try to kick field goals. Very often, they will cross themselves. I assume it's for luck. But when they miss the field goal, what then? There is a one of my favorite superstitions, and it's not a religious one, but I seem to be permitted to share it with you. I saw it a few years ago. I was changing channels on my television. I came across the College World Series. Now, I'm not a baseball fan, but I'm interested in colleges. And Arkansas was playing somebody. The camera showed the Arkansas fans and the Arkansas dugout. And the strangest thing was happening. The fans and the baseball players were wearing bananas on their head. For luck. I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. Bananas. Now, some of them were artificial bananas and some of them were real bananas. And they were wearing them for luck. These are adult people. These are, some of these people were grandfathers, grandmothers. Some of them were young baseball players. Some of them were not in college yet. But the whole bunch were playing, wearing bananas on their head for luck. I couldn't believe it. I just kept staring at it. Arkansas lost the baseball game, but this doesn't ever seem to phase anybody. These football players that cross themselves out there to make the field goal often miss the field goal, but they keep crossing themselves. This is crazy. This is craziness. This is like in the Old Testament, Dagon. Dagon was the god of the Philistines. And the Philistines had captured the Ark of God and brought it into their camp where Dagon was set up. Dagon was a wooden statue. They put the Ark of the Covenant in there with the word of God. The next day, Dagon, they came in and he had fallen on his face before the Ark of God. So they set Dagon back up. Now here's their God that they, they can't set himself back up. This is insane. But it's not more insane than these baseball players and these people who cross themselves when they're kicking field goals. But they set Dagon back up before the Ark of the Covenant. They came in the next day and Dagon's head was cut off. The, his hands were cut off. And only the trunk of Dagon was left. So they said, we've got to get rid of this Ark of the Covenant because it's affecting Dagon, our God, instead of getting rid of their God. It's incredible. Well, that's the way these superstitions are in the churches today. Crossing yourself is not in the Bible. It is an idol. It is a superstitious idol where People who are taught to observe this crossing themselves, they think it has some kind of religious power. It does not. It is not in the Bible. But they don't quit doing it. It's like Dagon and the bananas. Then lighting candles with prayer or for any other means or time in a religious service that is not in the Bible. We are not told to light candles. 
Not in the New Testament church. We don't have any such thing as lighting candles in the New Testament Bible. Everything has to be examined by the New Testament Bible. This is another form of idol that's been set up through the generations in the churches. Another thing the Catholics do is to set up holy water at the door when I see it in movies. I've never been to a Catholic church, but I see it in movies. And they dip in the holy water and cross themselves before they enter the main assembly area. There is no such thing in the New Testament Bible as holy water. There's a very interesting thing in the Old Testament Bible about holy water. In the Old Testament, holy water was a bitter water which was used by the priest to examine a wife who was suspected of adultery. If she drank this water and her stomach swelled, she was guilty of adultery. But if she drank this water and there was no swelling of her stomach, she was acquitted of adultery. This was some form of bitter water. This is the only time holy water is mentioned in the New Testament. Numbers chapter 5, verses 17 through 22. And the priest shall take holy water in an earthen vessel, and of the dust that is in the floor of the tabernacle, the priest shall take and put it into the water. And the priest shall set the woman before the Lord and uncover the woman's head and put the offering of memorial in her hands, which is the jealousy offering. And the priest shall have in his hand the bitter water that causeth the curse. And the priest shall charge her by an oath and say to the woman, If no man hath lain with thee, and if thou hast not gone aside to uncleanness with another instead of thy husband, be thou free from this bitter water that causeth the curse. But if thou hast gone aside to another instead of thy husband, and if thou be defiled, and some man hath lain with thee beside thy husband, then the priest shall charge the woman with an oath, oath of cursing. And the priest shall say unto the woman, The Lord make thee a curse and an oath among thy people when the Lord doth make thy thigh rot and thy belly to swell. Verse 22, And this woman... That causes the cur uh, and this water that causes the curse shall go into thy bowels to make thy belly to swell and thy thigh to rot, and the woman shall say, Amen, Amen. And that's how holy water was used in the Old Testament. It was a bitter water with the dust of the floor of the tabernacle added to it. The woman was to drink it, and she agreed to this by saying, Amen, Amen, and if she was guilty, her belly would swell and her thigh would rot, and they would declare her guilty of adultery. 
There is no such thing as holy water in the New Testament. Anything that is added to the religious ceremony of the church or is taught to the people in the congregation when it is not in the New Testament Bible is an idol and becomes an idol as the people do it. The wearing of crosses or religious medallions is one of the idols. And I know people inwardly feel that it's lucky to wear these. There is a Catholic thing called St. Christopher, which is supposed to protect them in automobiles or something. And they put those idols on their, uh, they hang them on the rearview mirror. Or they put them on their sun visor, St. Christopher medals for protection. This is an idol. This is not in the Bible. It's an idol set up by the Catholic Church. Another idol is praying to anyone other than God. Mary is dead. You can't pray to dead people. Dead people are asleep. You don't pray to Paul, do you? I hope not. You don't pray to David. But they have set up Mary as an idol. You pray directly to God through Jesus Christ, the Word of God. Another very serious idol in the churches today is setting up crackers and grape juice and calling this the Lord's Supper. Hundreds of thousands of people partake of this idol. It doesn't have any power to it. It doesn't make you better if you take it or worse if you don't. The Lord's Supper is the partaking of the Word of God. That's the Lord's Supper. Now that has power when you apply it correctly to your lives. Once again, an idol is anything, a, relig a religious idol is anything set up by man which is not in the New Testament Bible. Check your New Testament Bible on these things that you do to see if it's in there that it tells you to do them because all these idols have been set up by churches. A big idol that is set up, biggest idol of all, is Christmas. That's the biggest religious idol of all. It's not in the Bible. There's absolutely nothing in the Bible about Christmas. But they said, oh, but it's good to do Christmas as a religious thing. Ooh, it helps us and we're worshiping God. If it is not in the Bible, and we are not told, we are told to, not told to do this in the Bible, it is an idol, a religious idol. If we are told in the Bible to do this, in the New Testament Bible, then we do it. But you should examine the Bible to see if what you're doing is really what you're supposed to be doing. You can't go by these churches. They have added all kinds of things to their doctrine for you to do. Another idol is Easter. I looked in Unger's Bible Dictionary about the word Easter. Easter is not in the Bible to observe it the way people do today. Only one time 
is the word Easter in the Bible, and technically it means Passover. After the Passover, Herod was going to kill Peter, and that's in Acts 12. But it, is, it says Easter, but Unger says it really meant Passover. Easter in that context was added to the church in the 8th century, and it was taken from the Pagus Garden of Spring, according to Unger, Merrill Unger. And one of the worst feasts of all, or worst um, requirements of all, is the requirement of Lent, where you give up something for, I don't know, a set number of days. Jesus was our sacrifice. Every time you do Lent and give up something, in a religious context, you give it up for a religious reason. You deny the blood of Jesus. For his blood is our sacrifice. Somebody, I think the Catholics set up Lent. I don't know. I know the, I think the some other church groups, um, I think I've heard of Lutherans doing it. There are other church groups that do it too. But it denies the sacrifice of Jesus. Lent is an idol. And every time you sacrifice for your sins or you sacrifice for a religious reason, it doesn't tell you to do that in the Bible. It doesn't tell you to do Lent in the Bible. It's not even in the Bible. Every time you do it, you are bowing down to a religious idol set up by men in the church. Graven images. Oh, God hated graven images. There are 47 references in the, new, in the Bible to forbidding the setting up of graven images. Graven images are images made by man, whether they're stone or plaster. It doesn't matter whether they're stone or plaster or wood. It's an idol that is created by man. Setting up of statues in the church building and kneeling down before statues or anything in the church building. This is bowing down to an idol. And the last one I want to mention on idols in the church today is going to really sound strange, but it's music. They have set up music in the church today as a form of entertainment and also as a, something that controls you emotionally and, so to speak, prepares you, softens you up to hear the Word of God. That's nonsense. That's horrible. If you use music in the church, it's supposed to be singing and melody from your heart. It's not sitting there listening to a choir or an orchestra or anything like that. We put a hymn blog on our blog. I think hymns are very valuable when they're used in a proper way. On our hymn blog, we have one upright piano playing the hymn. And underneath it, we have the words so you can follow the words to the hymn or sing the hymn if you care to do so. But either way, you've got the words going into your heart and coming from your heart. 
It's not a form of entertainment where you just sit there and smile and feel like you're religious. You are actually, from your heart, practicing real religion. Our blog, by the way, is Jesus Ministries Exhortations. If you go to that and look on the right-hand side of the page, you will see hymn blog. Plus, we publish a hymn every day so we can all be edified every day. It is edifying. When Paul was in prison, he, he and the apostles sang hymns. I had a friend who was in the hospital, and she was in terrible pain, and she sang hymns. When I was in the hospital, and they were going to operate on my broken hip, God brought hymns to my mind, and before they gave me the medicine that caused me to fall asleep, I was hearing hymns. Hymns are very valuable when they're godly hymns, but not when they're used as entertainment. And that's the way churches are using it so much today as entertainment. When we created our blog, I had a friend who's Catholic, and I showed her the hymn and played it for her that we had on the blog. And she listened, and she said, Well, don't you have any singing? And I said, No, you're supposed to sing from your heart. What you do is listen to the hymn, and the words are printed right there for you under the hymn. And you can sing the words to the hymn, or you can look at the words and be edified. It's coming from within you. We want you to worship. We don't want them to entertain you. We want you to worship. So music has to be used properly in the church in order to be appropriate for the church, for the edifying of the church. Otherwise, it's some kind of fleshly emotion which you think is religious, but it does no work of God. In John chapter 4, verses 23-24, Jesus said, The hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. There is a Baptist woman who called me one day, and her husband had died, and she cleared out the bookcase in her husband's study. And she told me, she said, I've set up on that bookcase a memorial to Jesus. I want you to come and see it. I didn't say anything to her at all. I never went to see the memorial to Jesus. We ourselves are the memorial to Jesus when we do the word and speak the word. You can't set up physical images and be a memorial to Jesus. It, it can't be done. We have to worship him in spirit. When we follow a scripture, other people notice it. And they sometimes say, what are you doing? And we say, well, I'm trying to follow this scripture. But I found they nearly always notice it when I'm doing something. And most of the time they hate it. 
if they're if they call themselves Christians and fail to do the word of God, they will absolutely hate you when you follow a scripture. Why? Because by following, if you follow a scripture, they feel condemned because they don't follow the scripture. In the Bible, it talks about Noah condemning those of the world. A Church of Christ preacher one time was having a Sunday school class, which I attended about eight or nine people in the class and he said did Noah really condemn the world I said yes he did and they were all shocked I said yes Noah condemned the world because he obeyed God and they did not and that was condemnation to the world nobody at that church of Christ class wanted anything to do with me after that. They didn't even speak to me as I left that day. Because when you speak the word of God, they know they are not doing the word of God themselves, and they feel the condemnation. Bowing down to these church idols is a serious matter. 1 Corinthians 5 the Apostle Paul said in verse 11, But now I have written to you not to keep company. If any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner with such a one know not to eat, therefore put away from among yourselves that wicked person. If you practice these forms of religious idolatry in the churches today, you are a wicked person. You have to stop it. You have to turn from it. You have to turn to God and trust in Him. God is a spirit. You're not going to see Him. You're not going to have objects in front of you to make you feel like you're connecting with God. God is a spirit. But you simply repent and you say, I'm sorry, I didn't know any better. Turn from it and you're cleansed. In Acts chapter 14, Paul was speaking to the church and he says, Sirs, why do you do these things? We also are men of like passions with you and preach unto you that ye should turn from these vanities unto the living God. And that's what I am speaking to you. Turn from these vanities of crossing yourselves and using what they call holy water when it's not in the Bible. And all these vanities set up by religious minds who have, don't have the Spirit of God and are leading you into something that's not of God. If it is not in the New Testament Bible, it is not of God. They've added to the Bible. If you add to the Bible you are in danger of damnation. That's in a passage in Revelation. Adding to the Bible or taking away from the Bible are very serious matters. In it, they say adding to the prophecy, to this prophecy, and of course, it's to this book of Revelation. But if you take away or add anything to the written word of God, you are in grave danger. Paul talked about us all appearing at the judgment seat of Christ. 
2 Corinthians 5, verses 9 through 11. He says, We labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him, of God. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. If it isn't in the Bible, it's going to be bad. If it is in the Bible and you are led by the Holy Spirit, it will be good. Verse 11, Paul says, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. You're going to get at the judgment seat of Christ and be judged, as am I. God is not going to be saying to you, oh, you're Presbyterian? Well, that excuses you. That explains it. You're okay. Go on in. That's not going to happen. You're going to be judged by one thing, the New Testament Bible. You're not going to be able to say, well, in our church, they taught such and such. You have a New Testament Bible. You have to go by that. You have to judge your church by the New Testament Bible. You have to prove your doctrine of your church group by the New Testament Bible. If they say, yeah, it's okay for divorced men to, re- to for men to marry divorced women, if they say that at your church and teach that at ch- your church, that is not what the Bible says. Matthew 5, 32, Jesus said, Whosoever shall marry her that is divorced committeth adultery. So if you're going to go along with your church doctrine when it's opposite to the Bible, you are going to be condemned with your church. I don't care what church it is. Every one of us will be judged by the New Testament Bible. Once again, if we add anything to religious practices which is not in the Bible... We are in danger of being taken out of the book of life. If we remove anything from the Bible, we are in danger of being removed from the book of life. So practicing idolatry is a very serious matter. This is Joan Boney speaking. You can see every one of these scriptures in our blog that I have broadcast today. Go to Jesus Ministries Exhortations on the right-hand side of the page, the home page. You will see podcast recordings and scriptures. If you click on that, you can rehear this broadcast and follow along and read every scripture that I have stated today. Again, the name of the blog is Jesus Ministries Exhortations. Thank you for allowing me to speak to you today.